All right, we have Craig, uh, so we can go ahead and get started. We'll start with SIP 296. This is Caleb's SIP. Caleb, sure. Whenever you're ready. No worries. Thank you. Uh, SIP 296 is pretty straightforward. Um, it uh, incorporates into our systems via the indirect integration manager um, the address of uh, a contract developed by uh, Otex. Otex is a solver for CowSwap. We have Phileas here in the audience, and he's uh, the head and uh, who's helping us uh, with this integration. Basically, uh, the way CowSwap works is uh, users submit uh, intentions to execute a certain trade. And you have solvers who go and find a bid on the trade, like uh, try to, to fill at the best possible uh, uh, rate. And uh, Otex is one of those solvers. And he, he plans to use synthetics uh, for uh, filling uh, trades, uh, of course, large ones, um, via the cross-asset swap functionality, where you have like users wanting to swap USDC, hopefully if that, uh, or DAI or another stable to ETH, then they'd hop over the curve pools and from the curve pools, uh through uh, atomic swaps so basically that's that's how it works the integration would use the uniswap five basis point pool uh it would have a 10 million dollar um, max volume per block it would uh, have 10 basis point fees uh initially and uh, that's about it if there, there are any questions i'd be happy to answer them um i do want to mention like uh what what makes um uh cowswap setup as well as fusion one inches fusion setup great is the way the transaction uh, is uh, takes place or hits the chain it doesn't take place atomically in the sense that you submit a transaction goes through the mean pool and it hits the chain actually like we have solvers who try to find the best path and there's like a one block delay and because of that one block delay you have a, um, um, some change in the price of uniswap like an adjustment hence any latency attacks are kind of um, reduced so that that's like the key advantage of integrating with cow and uh, one inch on on this type of uh, uh, swap offering given that otex is an existing solver for cow swap and presumably has a history of carrying out large volume transactions have they been able to give any estimate of the kind of volume that will be generated well you know like um, previously um, you had some solvers using uh, the atomic swap functionality fill trades um, as we saw at 50 basis points, you know, like like the large ones. And 
so it is hard for me to give you an estimate about but let me say something here it's, it's kind of important is that um given that the gas requirements huh, of executing trades uh, via the uh, atomic swap function it it, it, it is a very very gas intensive kind of operation you know because it has to fetch the price between different curve uh, uniswap pools and and it, it it is gas intensive so small small trades they are kind of not within the range of uh, possibility so what we do can, kind of can kind of can aim for sorry I'm, I'm trying i'm having a hard time putting the words together because it's late so uh, what we can aim for aim for is uh, trades between maybe a couple of million dollars and uh, i think that 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 would be reasonable because the slippage that would be incurred by trading on uniswap is kind of um uh, outweigh it is outweighed by the uh gas like we you don't have like as as much as uh um cost in terms of gas to uh, execute a trade vis-a-vis -vis the entire cost uh value of the trade itself given that otex is an entity um that is providing this service and has done so for a while in your discussions with them have they um broached the topic of how many large volume qualifying trades they have done in the past and thus might expect to do in the future uh, from what i understand uh, from my discussion with cows that they are one of the biggest solvers on on cow so they do do a lot of the volume that goes through cow swap um now how how much volume will this generate for them i'm saying it's mostly for large orders you know that's that's probably the um advantage or uh, the competitive advantage that we have is that we can fill large transactions at reasonable prices and uh, i wouldn't expect like large number of transactions i would expect something similar to what we see with fusion if not more now fusion uh, as we all know is kind of still pending until uh, one inch develop, uh, updates their contract in the meantime we can uh, see how it goes with council um is it correct to conflate otex and calswap or am i misunderstanding yeah i mean otex is the solver you know calswap is the infrastructure that uh, users submit bits to like cow handles the contracts where you can uh, uh interact with by submitting intentions of uh, deals and you have like many solvers competing supposedly and those solvers have a bond uh with uh, uh with cow you know like last last week was it or the, two weeks ago when there was like some kind of hack or something and they they broke the bond so so cow is like an infrastructure provider solvers do the trading 
and are, if we're going to integrate are we able to assume that the uh solver that broke the bond was not a text <laughs> yeah it wasn't I, I remember it was someone new and uh, i think they had a private key leak was the issue All right, Kev had a question in the chat. Uh, how is this similar or different from atomic swaps as we know them now, uh, Caleb? Yeah, they are quite similar. Like atomic swaps, they're like um, swaps that use Uniswap prices huh? to uh, fetch a price. Like it will be the worst price between Chainlink and Uniswap. So, so they are similar in terms of pricing. The the only difference from the atomic swaps that we originally knew is that traders for them to be routed through uh cow swap or through fusion they have to submit an intention to trade on the platform like cow or monage and you have solvers who compete to execute a trade at the best price and that takes around one block so by that time you have like an updated fresh Uniswap price because that's the latency. It's one block. Given that CalSwap's providing MEV protection, what kind of proportion of the large um, transactions is it taking currently? Uh, how how large is Otex solving in terms of the total volume that Cal handles? Is that the question? No, CalSwap in particular as a service. Um, I think there was a tweet recently where somebody uh, did a very large volume transaction across CalSwap and, and noted that the MEV protection allowed it to avoid the slippage that would be incurred or the front running that would be incurred were it not gone through CalSwap. So I was just curious if you had a, an awareness of proportion of like the million so so USD the mev plus. protection mev protection if you mean what was the mev protection angle of cowswap is that um unlike uh um unlike um normal transactions that go through the mean pool um you cannot uh sandwich as much as you can um because like let's say let's say you submit a transaction you know to buy eth at like a slippage of like 30 percent you know that's crazy it's, it's, if you do that you'll get sandwiched with the mean pool uh with, with the flash bots but what what cow does is like basically they compete you know the solvers to fill you at the best possible rate and there's like a maybe some few seconds of competition and when solvers like submit on a transaction to the chain they submit it submit it with the with their bids you know and their bid will be definitely not having a 30 basis point slippage it will be the rate at which uh, they competed at and they have to fill you you know and if there's a sandwich they get the loss so that's how it works they ensure that your deal is uh, MEV uh, resistant? Yeah, so Alexander shared the um, particular transaction that was noted. 
where ENS Dow sold 10K ETH through CalSwap. Um, so that, that 12 million in volume or, or whatever it was at the time, there would be a good chance that we would get a chance. Um, yeah, so let me know if there's any, any questions. All right, any other questions for Phileas or Caleb on SIP 296? All right, no other questions. Uh, I guess we can move on to the V3 SIP presentations. Uh, that is SIP 308. We'll hear from Noah first on SIP 308. Thanks. Yeah. So these uh, these remaining SIPs sort of cover the the uh, sort of last of the scope of the core system, uh, separate from the markets, and that's what our sort of proximate goal is for getting V3 stood up. So we just uh, for context, we just returned the. Um, uh, um, fixes for the audit feedback from Open Zeppelin a few hours ago, and we should hear back from them next week. I'm chatting with the other audit team uh, tomorrow morning to check in with them. So, um, and I think we did also present uh, these SIPs to the previous Spartan Council, but now that we're really trying to sort of lay, land the plane with V3, um, we just want to get everyone up to speed on it and get the vote um, all set ahead of uh, the sort of soft launch that, that's on the horizon right now. So um, SIP 308, market-provided collateral. So this is, uh, this is basically wrappers uh, in, in the V3 system. Uh, the idea is we, we need a mechanism in V3 to allow markets to uh, put collateral in the system and then mint an equivalent value of stable coins against that, that collateral. Um, by default, this is turned off for all markets attached to the system and governance needs to approve um, which collateral type and which essentially raise a cap um, for a given collateral type for a given market. Um, so you can take a look at the uh, spot market implementation that we have um, in the V3 code base that uses this uh, for the wrap and unwrap functionality. Um, uh, but yeah, that, that's that's sort of at the heart of this. Uh, this would also be used if we're doing um, ETH margins on a or on an ETH uh, perps market. Same same idea here. Um, and yeah, the idea is um, governance would uh, permit markets to, to to use this functionality if the implementation of the market demonstrates that it's it can't create um, any sort of extreme uh, skew in the overall collateralization of the network and the stablecoin. Um, so that, that's sort of the, the long and short of it for 308. All right, we can move on to questions for SIP 308. Anyone have questions for no on this SIP? The approval process for the collateral types will be identical to that which is used for the vaults, or am I wrong in that? Yeah, so we would need to, um, in the uh, uh, set collateral configuration function that governance uses, um, there, there's uh, an array of different collateral types that get specified. Um, and then essentially within that, for, for a given collateral type that's specified there, um, governance would be able to say, yeah, for, for collateral, like at this ERC20 address uh, market with, ident with the ID 10 can deposit up to 10 million of it or something like that. Um, to, to, to get it to match the V2 configuration, this would look like having depositing um, turned off for ETH, but approved for um, an ETH market, essentially. 
And Noah, do you expect that the use cases would be just wrappers or did you have anything else that you predict might be used? Yeah, so I think it would be it would be wrappers for a spot market and um, like ETH margined perps uh, would also use this functionality. Um, it, it would be fairly niche use cases that are basically like uh, for essentially like for trusted markets or the you know markets where where governance understands the um, the implementation uh, and it would sort of open up these opportunities for uh, scaling the stablecoin in ways that wouldn't be possible otherwise. And markets that sought to use other collateral parts like ETH perps. Cool. So thanks. Uh, my, my question on this is that if someone were to um, wrap a ETH and swap the ETH to SNX dollars and take that SNX dollars to another market, the the impact on the individual um, liquidity pools how how would that look like yeah it's it's a good question the the way that i'm thinking about this is essentially that there's sort of this like global collateralization of all of the issued stable coins from from the core protocol and then you have the debt um from the issue from from the individual market sort of stacked on top of that in a way so um the reason why we need we need caps on the market provided collateral is that the collateralization of the uh, of the stablecoin itself could get out of out of whack um, if you know we end up with a negative ETH skew or whatever if if the wrapper gets out of control. Um, but but the uh, um, what once those uh, stablecoins are in circulation, any other market would be able to use them. Uh, I mean, the stable coins are fungible, so you would be able to tell them apart anyway. But yeah, once they're in circulation, they can be used by other markets to pay down their debt. Yeah, that's fine. But like, I mean, the impact from a, a skew perspective, how would it look like? Like right now, if we swapped, if you have too much ETH and it gets converted to dollars, then the skew on the uh, as as we know, the skew goes negative, can go negative. Now, from um, market perspective, like V three perspective, that it's a different paradigm because you have um, different uh, liquidity pools, like, and we provide liquidity to them, you know. And let's say, like, there was a like liquidity was taken away, like the credit uh, or uh, uh, folks unstaked, you know. So you end up with just uh, ETH backing dollars that, let's say, in the extreme scenario, doesn't have any other collateral there. And that ETH isn't uh, uh, owned by a user. They're just deposited into the pool. So, so I'm having a hard time kind of relating to what we have right now. Yeah, I guess I would need more specifics on the scenario you're imagining, and it does seem like an extreme one. I think sort of having having caps on the amount of uh, collateral that could get deposited through this mechanism uh, would, would also mitigate the sort of extreme scenario. Um, maybe something that's also relevant is that we have it set up to um, uh, we also have it set up to uh, with the spot market to apply. Uh, 
SKU based on the fee, uh, sorry, apply a fee based on the SKU being generated by this market to, to keep the SKU in line. How would that look like? The control to keep the SKU in line? Um, uh, we, we can apply a positive and negative fee to, to uh, um, I, I mean, I can pull up the specifics of the implementation. I'm not sure if I can explain it too clearly uh, casually here, but. Uh, is it part of this SIP or is it like a different SIP? No, no, this is part of the spot market implementation. This is just an example of how we can have a mechanism that, that's sure. utilizing this feature to, to keep the SKU in line. All right. So, so can like dynamic um, like markets that are allowed to have market provided collateral in a in a way like in, a, in an ETH wrapper type of way, like like you're mentioning, those those can only be whitelisted by governance. We don't want any old market to be able to accept large amounts of wrapped collateral. Um, these would be markets that are backed by SNX in a like delta neutral market design. Um, because they're critical to you know the the liquidity of the stable coin. Um, so what Noah is saying is the spot market um, will kind of behave like a, like a perps market um, in that it's like looking at the skew from the wrapper and the outstanding debt, um, and then it's basically like it's similar to what we have in perps v two with like a premium discount that basically prevents the skew from going outside of certain bounds. Um, and then that would be like a market that is like, you know, a governance sanctioned market that can have an ETH wrapper. No other market can have an ETH wrapper uh, because this is critical to the, it backing the the liquidity of the stable coin. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does when you um, provided me the example of uh making the example of uh, the comparison to the perps uh, setup yeah that i i can see how it can stabilize around a certain skew um that that said uh, um i do worry about like you know um edge cases that that's why like i gave an extreme example is because um like like it's at that point of time that uh, that uh, you get to understand how a uh, uh, system is supposed to behave when you go at the edges. Mm -hmm. And and uh, my question was like, assuming that every other, uh, like like let, let's say now we we add the ETH wrapper. Like I'm I'm just like kind of trying to imagine how it would work. Is that we're gonna add the ability to add ETH? To a liquidity pool, and it's probably not the Spartan Council pool, right? Or is it the Spartan Council pool? It's collateral that's provided to the market, not to the pool. Okay, directly to the market. Just like yeah. a wrapper, like a like sure. wrap is not staked, so market provided collateral is not pooled. Sure, sure. So it's provided to a market, and that market is the SETH market. Yep. Yeah. And if it's empty, everything goes to dollar. Um, what do you mean? It's if it's empty, everything goes to dollars. Like there's no more SETH in it. Every every SETH was converted to SUSD, and it okay, went, sure, went somewhere else. Uh -huh. What like if I provide liquidity to that SETH market, what impact would it have on my debt? 
when ETH goes up? So the the idea is that this is like like I know we kind of always end up in this rabbit hole, but like that's more like more in the spot market design uh, sit presentation than this one. But basically, the gist is that um, if if a lot of wrapped ETH is being you know being used to generate SUSD, it's creating more kind of like short ETH skew for the LPs, right? Um, and so the way that the market would react to this is that like it becomes less and less attractive to sell ETH uh, in the market. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of basically the same thing as Perps V2, except it's a much cleaner ARB in that you could basically just buy ETH from the market if too many people are selling ETH. Um, and that like, so that basically the market prevents the skew from getting too significant. So you have like a similar like skew scale type constant that we have to Perps V2. It limits, you know, the market skew to some bounds that are, you'd be like, you know, plus or minus a million or $2 or something like that. Um, so it's not possible to get to that state where all of the ETH is wrapped and converted to SUSD unless it's a very small amount. If it is, then the path to there is people selling ETH at a huge discount, which means that somebody could come in and buy that ETH, uh, you know, with a premium. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So you could have an incentive to buy the uh, SETH and like convert it to ETH and like take it out as uh, the skew becomes more and more uh, negative. Uh, that that makes sense. And uh, so the impact on on those who provide liquidity into that market, the the SETH market, as more and more SETH is, is converted to SUSD, is there'll be less long SETH, right? Or or no? Um, yep, and potentially short SETH, yep. Short, short SETH, okay. And um, how does that play a role in the ability to of traders to... Uh, um, I know there's like this concept of credit assignment uh, on uh, markets. And as more and more uh, SETH leaves uh, because it's backed by ETH, for example, the credit capacity increases, or is it an independent uh, 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 thing that organizes the market? Uh, well, so this would be a market that is like always part of like the you know canonical Spartan Council pool because it's a critical market. So kind of what makes this market work is that you always assume there's a critical mass of SNX liquidity to back it. And it's like a very conservative market that is designed to not take on too much directional risk, um, but to provide a lot of important liquidity to the stablecoin. I, I think my question is and, and not about that, but uh, assuming that uh, um, we have uh, a situation where you have ETH getting grabbed, Goes to SETH and goes out as as SUSD as SUSD. Would uh, that increase the capacity on uh, the mark markets? Um, why would it increase the capacity on the market? Because you have a cap, right, of uh, credit cap, and it's using less SNX to back the 
SEs. And part of that SEs anyway went out. Um, I don't know. I'm just like trying to imagine how it would work, you know? Yeah, I mean, maybe we could have a more in-depth discussion on it when we present the spot market set. Like this, okay. I guess this is kind of just for the mechanism of market-provided collateral. And any like it'll kind of be like bespoke implementations of market-provided collateral that we'll probably explore and, and approve on a case-by-case -case basis. No worries. Uh, one last question, uh, please. Um, how does the concept of leverage that we currently see in terms of uh, uh, in terms of uh, the current system, be uh, reflected on in V three having introduced wrappers to a market like if I provide liquidity to a given S ETH market, and you have more S ETH being wrapped into that market, does it affect leverage? No. Or yes um it, it so the market would be designed to not like go anywhere near like 1x leverage like it would be like kind of like the way we design the perps markets like like the eth market is designed to only take on like one or two million dollars of exposure in either direction this market would be designed in a similar way to only take on one or two million dollars of exposure in either direction um so there wouldn't be any like significant leverage so I guess the leverage would be reflected in other markets where if the SETH flows out of the um of that SETH market, if, if like someone wraps ETH to generate SETH, they take it out as SNX dollar and they add it to S Dodge. I guess the concept of leverage goes there, right? Yeah, I mean, there is a concept of leverage. It's just like this is, yeah, it'll be a, a governance maintained market that it like operates by keeping leverage very, very low. All right. I, th I guess we'll have to wait and see. So it's a bit hard to uh, think about it at this stage. Yeah, Thank we'll you. put a lot of graphics in the spot market zip. All right, if there are no more questions on 308, we can move on to SIP 309, also being presented by Noah. Cool, yeah, um, so again, this is another sort of small one. Um, this is a feature on the uh, market interface. So when a pool would um, opt into backing a given market, uh, part of what the market can do is it can specify um, a certain amount of collateral. This can be a dynamic value that the market is returning, um, a certain amount of collateral under which the um, uh, uh, pools and by, by extension, the stakers backing it uh, can't uh, withdraw out from under, essentially. Um, so like an example use case uh, is that um, like a spot market might want to make sure that um, there's always a certain amount of margin of like collateral available so that the market doesn't go insolvent if um, like one large uh, liquidity provider decides to back out and uh, there's a sudden price fluctuation um, or if there's like an insurance market and there, there's a uh, um, 
the, the, like a, a claim event might be um, on the horizon, uh, the insurance market might want to uh, guarantee that uh, liquidity providers, stakers can't sort of back at last minute. Um, so yeah, that, that's the main mechanism here. It's just when, when essentially when a pool uh, changes its configuration uh, such that it would reduce the amount of credit available to the market, we do a check against this value and uh, revert if it, would, if it would take it under the, uh, the amount of locked collateral specified by the market. Am I wrong in thinking in your insurance case example, you would still have a race to the door? It's just the uh, the people who are being underwritten would be okay, but people who are slower to withdraw their capital would lose out versus those who foresaw an incoming claim and got their liquidity out faster. Yeah, I mean, it, th this comes down to the design of the market, right? Like, I mean, we're just creating the interface for the market. So, like, um, let's say it's like a sports betting market um like you would want to lock down the uh uh collateral that's been provided at like the start of the game or something like that um in, in a simple like that that's a simple example where like you you wouldn't want the liquidity providers to be able to back out once the game kicked off uh there, there are other examples as well but yeah i mean sort of designing the system where it's a, an attractive thing to provide liquidity to and an attractive thing for stakers where you don't have an opportunity uh, for for yeah, to, where you create that sort of run run for the door scenario as part of the challenge of designing the market essentially. Okay, so it's, it's we haven't got any benefit in over engineering more equitable solution. It's something we can leave to those who are establishing the markets. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's the, the the way you would utilize uh, uh, the the market locking feature would be very specific to the market implementation. So this is just creating a piece of the interface that allows the market to do that, um, and the the uh, pool owner and liquidity provider uh, in opting into providing credit to this market are, are effectively um, you know agreeing to the smart con rules of the smart contract around uh, what when they are allowed to. Um, yeah, re reduce the credit they're, they're providing. Okay, thanks, Matt. Yeah, and I should say also, by default, you, this value would just be set to zero, it just wouldn't lock anything. So this is optional for a market to use as well. All right, any further questions on SIP 309? All right, there's a quick one. We can move on to 310 then. Uh, 310, Noah, you're presenting that one as well? Yeah, yeah, and th this should be a pretty quick one as well. Um, I think uh, DB presented 316 last week, and this is sort of similar, um, but let, let, instead of um, turning things off for security reasons, it's more about turning things on over time. So m most of the um, functionality on the system uh, we've set up behind feature flags. Uh, for example, creating new pools, registering new markets in the system, uh, so on and so forth. So we've created a, a generalized um, interface and solution here um, where, for for example, like attaching new markets or creating new pools, initially uh, that'll just be turned off and only um, essentially governance approved transactions will be able to, to use those features. 
Um, and then if we have sort of pilot integrators, we could say only specific uh, smart contract addresses can use those features. Uh, and then eventually we can just uh, allow, allow anyone to, um, to, to use that functionality. So this is, yeah, just a, um, yeah, a generalized system for access control. It's a, like common practice in um, like web to software development. So um, yeah, we, we've set this up so we can do a progressive rollout, manage risk um, and sort of pull partners in and be dynamic as V3, uh, rubber meets the road with V3. All right, any questions on SIP 310? Could you give us like an um, example where this could be uh, used? I understand there are like, um, you said maybe partners, integrators would might be interested. Uh, in which uh, kind of situation would it uh, be useful? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the pool creation and the market creation uh, um, are really like the main uh, like the main functionality we had in mind. So initially, we just stand it up and we have like a single pool um, and, um, you know, whatever markets the, the core contributors and governance have vetted to, to, to sort of get the system going. Um, and then maybe we might find like one external integrator has set up a market and we want to... Um, allow ju just that market to get registered and plugged in. Um, so we could allow that, um, you know, and ro roll out the creation of custom pools progressively as well. Uh, we, we, the feature is on other functions, but at least the way I'm picturing it, those are going to be the most, uh, uh, those are the most practical feature flags, let's say, for the, for the roadmap. Thank you. All right, any other questions on SIP 310? All right, uh, Noah, are all three of these SIPs ready for a vote, or are you still waiting on uh, any sort of feedback? No, I think these are all set. Okay, and then Caleb, I'm assuming 296 is also ready? Absolutely. I'll set up the votes. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you, everybody. All right, thanks. I guess we can call it here. Right. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Connor.